Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Millennial Money. It is September and it is Super September. We are talking about superannuation this month with, with a lot of our episodes. And what do you do when you want to know more information you get in the pros? Scott Young from Altus Financial, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, gents. Welcome, Scott. Now, I think it's... um I've lost count of how many times you've been on the podcast now, but you're now officially a friend of the podcast. Oh, thanks, boys. Yeah. Nice to feel welcome. <laughs> it is. Now, just a, a bit of a plug for uh, Scott and his team. Uh, I disclosed in an intimate setting another podcast that uh, Altus Financial are now my personal accountants. So thanks for all the hard work you're about to do. Pleasure, Glenn. And uh, Altus is now our preferred uh, recommendation for people who are seeking accountants. So... Uh, and the reason we like kind of preferred panel is people will ask in the Facebook group, oh, I need a this or I need a that. Yeah, sure, people will put in, I've had an experience with these, but if you're on our preferred financial advisor panel, if you're on our preferred mortgage broker panel, or if you're our preferred accountants, John and I have actually personally sat down, screened you, and um, you know, installed security cameras in your house without you knowing. So I like what you've done with the new lounge. <laughs> it's intense. It's Thanks, intense. Boys. So we are talking about Super. And speaking of Super, uh, our show partner, Sun Super, we can't do this podcast without them. And I would really encourage you, if you are reviewing your superannuation, particularly in September, because that's what we're kind of doing, Super September. We're just asking everyone just to do a pulse check on your Super, like at daylight savings time, when it changes, the fire brigade say check the batteries in your smoke alarm. So let's use September. You know, it's a bit of a nothing month. So let's review our super. Sun Super have an exclusive member discount program. So if you're a Sun Super member, you've got access to this. It's called Dream Rewards and they offer discounts. And this is so cool on food, fuel, fitness, holidays, furniture, fashion, and further education. So Good concept, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I think it's important because particularly when COVID hit, I, I got an email uh, from SunSuper saying, oh, we've got these education providers and you can you know enroll with them as a member and get a discount. So I think it's just all about value adding mm. in this world. And I know with a lot of things in our society, it's a race to the bottom in terms of fees. So fees are kind of just the hygiene thing, like everything's reasonably priced. Uh, and Sun Super do have actually quite low fees, but it's like, what extra value can you get? Yeah. What's the value add? Mm. So you ready to unpack all things self-managed super fun, Scott? We are ready when you are. All right, let's crack this whip. All right, let's jump into it. And I've got my little Excel spreadsheet and we've got a heap of questions that we will get to from the Facebook group. It's like, how much do I need? You know, who can be in my self-managed super fund? What assets can I buy? So we're going to talk about all this stuff, but I just want to start by saying whether you're a member of our show partners fund, Sun Super, or you're John Pigeon, uh, the rules are the same for members of super funds in Australia. There is a little bit more scrutiny that um, Sun Super and the retail and the industry funds have uh, because they've got APRA oversight. But broadly speaking, John's got a self-managed super fund. He can't just log into his internet, withdraw 20 grand and buy a new boat. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> now you, Hashtag don't audit. You're 100% right. So there's – and we'll start, I think, with the trustee discussion. So, Scott, uh, you've got a self-managed super fund, is that correct? No, I don't. You don't? I don't. Oh, I thought you did. No, I don't. And look, what, some of the questions here – obviously, well, 
will maybe help understand why someone uh, myself doesn't yet have one. Yeah, high-flying uh, accountant with a, a big business doesn't have a self-managed super fund. Yeah, well, well still that- only young. <laughs> you are. He's under 40. He's under, under 40, yeah, just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you old guys, gosh. Well, let's start straight up. People go, I want to start a self-managed super fund to do X, to do Y, and we can get to all these reasons. But how much do we need? John, we'll go to you second, but we'll go to Scott first. <laughs> what do you tell clients? If they call up and go, oh, Scott. Based on listener feedback. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. There was a review like, let the guest answer first. Um, <laughs> so give us 10 seconds and then we'll get back to John, uh, yeah. Glenn and I. Would you you know, we actually don't need you on the podcast, but uh, it's our show, but we'll go to you first. Yeah, look, good, good question, Glenn. Um, it seems the dollar value is the same amount that seems to have been around for the past 10 or so years. Um, around the 200 to 250 in, in combined um, member superannuation balances appears to be the level where the potential benefits or goals out of setting up an SMSF um, can be balanced against the costs and compliance of managing one. Yeah. So just to clarify, how many members are you talking when you're saying combined members? Yeah, look, good question, John. Um, a superannuation fund can only have a maximum of four members. Um, so in most cases when we say that balance, we are talking about a, a family unit, so normally two, mm-hmm. okay? But, the, but there's a maximum amount. There isn't a minimum. A minimum, well, there is one. Yeah. <laughs> but you, yeah. So between one and four. Yeah, sure. So if, uh, if Jim and Jane are sitting at home saying, yeah, I'm setting up or looking to set up a self-managed super fund, I've got an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old, uh, are they in the four or do they need to be 18 before they're included in there? Yeah, look, good question, John. Um, in a lot of family cases, you do have mum and dad and then the two adult children who are members of the family super fund. Yeah, and I've also seen uh, it could be uh, business partners, they might put their money in a self-managed super fund and buy the factory bay that they're operating the business mm. out of within yes. that fund. So basically what you're saying, Scott, the four members of the fund, you would want to make sure that with the members' money combined, it gets to that threshold. Yeah, It's not each person having 200 grand mm. bringing their money in. So it's basically if um, one person's got 100 grand, you know, the other spouse might have another 100 and then the adult kids are starting their career and got some rats and mice in their super fund and we'll just throw it in there. Yeah, that, that's right, Glenn, because when you're balancing the objectives or, or, or the intentions of the members, you're also overlaying that against the costs and the complexities of administering. So the costs and complexities are, are across the SMSF, not technically across how many members or the quantum mm. of, of balances. So therefore, the, the higher the members' balances, it means the cost to, and time to administer are spread across a higher invested amount of money. Yeah. So I've got my little spreadsheet up in front of me and just for a real practical example of this amount of 200 or whatever, um, I mentioned on a podcast a couple of weeks ago that as an example, just because I know the fund, you could have $150,000 in Sun Super, you could put, and this is not an ad for Sun Super, but whatever, I'm using them because they're a show partner. You could have 75 grand in their Australian shares index option and 75 grand in the international shares index option. And that fee, and don't quote me on it, but it's around half a percent or 0.47% in fees for the 12 months. Investment fee, admin fee, everything, okay? Very cheap. Now, and I think it's also important, Glenn, that the the members' responsibility beyond it's all looked after by Sun Super. Exactly, right? yeah. they don't have to go and keep any records. They don't have to go. They they basically make an investment decision, and then the rest is looked after for them. Absolutely. So no paperwork, no going to the accountants, yeah. no audit. So people go, "Oh, how much does it cost?" Okay. Now, again, we can't, uh, you know tell people how much one to pay and how much to charge if they're a business. But as a broad brushstroke, your annual accounting fee, depending on the complexity within the fund, it might be $1,100 to two and a half grand. Then you have to pay 
an, a third-party super fund auditor, which might be around 550 800 whoever you get. Like there's cheap and there's expensive everywhere. Then you've got to pay, you know, $259 ASIC fee. Yep. So for this little example, with the accounting fee, the audit fee and ASIC fee, I'm up to $1,909, okay? So if I put 150 grand in to my little Excel spreadsheet here, Overall fee for the year is 1.27%, okay? So, knowing that if we've got 150K in our super with Sun Super and we've made a uh, 100% growth portfolio, 50% international, 50% Australian at half percent-ish, if we want a self-managed super fund, we've got 1.27%. Yeah, and just um, not to pull apart your numbers too much, Please, you're an accountant. But equally... They haven't also yet made an investment decision. No. Exactly. Exactly. So, 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 so now if they go and put that money with a manager or they go and use direct equities to trade, yep. there'll be brokerage, there's time, um, all those yes. types of things. And, mm. and so this is just basically to rock up at the party. Yeah. Like that's – and then – so if I change that number from 250 – uh, from 150, the fee then is 0. 0.76. Yeah. So that's when you really start to see. But again, if we go, oh, we're really loaded and we've worked hard and had some good investment decisions, if we put $500,000 in this calculator, 0.38%. Yeah. So that's when your, your scale really gets happening. But I think you're right. One, we have to choose, are we buying a property and then we've got fees with the real estate agent and all that. Or two, I think in a lot of these scenarios, people look at the hard costs like we're looking at now, but what about the soft costs of collating paperwork for the accountant? What about the soft costs of, um, you know, you've got to make sure that there's life insurances for the members because yeah, that's an ATO that's requirement. Time you've got to consider. There is so much you have to do. Mm. And I guess we... Uh, pro-choice on this podcast. Mm. We want people to be able to be informed. Oh, definitely. And at the end of this episode, I think it will be apparent whether it, it might be for you or not, a self-managed super fund. Yeah, so the question of how much do you need, well, you don't actually need that much, but it's a, it's then a question of what percentage of fee do you want to pay in your, in your self-managed super fund if you set one up. So when you look at, I suppose, in your experience, Scott, why do people – move or have that conversation uh, of wanting to set up a self-managed super fund? Is it is it to have more control because, or do they think that their existing super fund's not doing the job for them in, in their return or, or what is the main one that you think? Look, good, good question, John. And I think there's a couple of things. I think control is definitely an element of it. I think there's this perceived um, natural curiosity which is wonderful as humans that we have, yeah. that we feel that something sounds sexy or I've heard about it. Thanks to marketing. Thanks to marketing. Yeah. And, and there is like, let's, let's not get me wrong, there's a, there's a history here that SMSF structures and setting up and administering can be bloody good for advisors. Yeah. Like yeah. They, they can Absolutely. be. Absolutely. So, yeah. and, and, and I think the regulator has really caught on to this yeah. and has therefore um, really stipulated quite strong um, statements of advice being required, um, mm. understanding an individual's circumstances before you actually advise. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'll just add to that, the setup costs in the first year, you know, you might have to pay three to five grand in some instances instances to set up the super fund yeah. i know there's cheaper options but i think you just need to know that if you're doing this you're doing it and you co- you're going to be committed to fees yeah and i think you it, it's it's got to be as you said it's commitment for the long haul too mm. right um but but i think if you really when you really get down down into the the actual reasons that do stack up and make sense it, it, control can be important to a number of people yeah right so they feel the fact that they, at a push of a button, can can move their money around, mm. um, or can can safely see that that cash account, whilst it's sitting in an SMSF, they can log in and see it every day. Mm. That can be an element, or they come to a point or stage in their life where they they feel they wish to go and undertake a certain investment that that basically they don't have the flexibility to do in an industry or a retail fund. Mm. Yeah. I I generally uh, tell people there's 
three broad strokes as to when a super fund might be required and the need for control might overlay some of these. But number one, you've got a burning desire to buy a property with your super fund, be it commercial or residential. And in Thursday's episode this week, we've got a bonus episode where we're talking with a, a broker who's done over 300 loans for self-managed super funds. So we're going to go deep with just the property part. So number one, you've got a burning desire for property with your super. Number two, you've got significant wealth mm. and it really stacks up. Like I was just, you know, when I put in 500 grand, so it really starts to be attractive in terms of just rocking up with the fee there. Or number three, if there's a complex estate planning issue, whether it's a blended family. So whether there is wealth involved and it's a blended family because I'm reading one product disclosure statement right in front of me and because, and we do have some episodes coming up with uh, an estate planning lawyer, superannuation falls outside of your estate. Mm. So if you died tomorrow, your super doesn't automatically just go to whatever it says in the will. Mm. So there's a product disclosure statement here. What happens if you die? In the unfortunate event of your death, the super trustee is required to pay your death benefit to eligible beneficiaries or where there are no eligible beneficiaries to any person who has a fair claim. Mm-hmm. Now, That's and you'll, you'll find that in most retail and industry fund PDSs. And so what that means is if you've got a complex estate planning situation, you set up the corporate trustee of the super fund in a way that your estate plan works it so that trustee company, whoever steps in, has more control of where to pay the money to because ultimately the trustee, if there's a curly issue or a curly case, the trustee will make the final call. Mm -hmm. And it's a wild ride and we'll have a lot of fun with that estate planning episode, but it's just for that control more so when you deceased that you want to make sure and so there are lots of moving parts and just back to the um my excel spreadsheet assuming that it was the $1,100 accounting fee so the $1,900 per year just to really highlight this I put in $50,000 the fee is 3.82 percent so if someone rocked up tomorrow and said oh I called my super fund and they said my annual fee is 3.82 percent I'd be like get the bloody hell out of there yesterday like and 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 again Glenn that's a really good example because you if you overlay with a 50 grand balance that's earning five or six percent return being invested each year just as a rule of thumb if 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 that's two and a half and then every year two thousand dollars is being taken out that modelling will show you yeah. that's not yeah. a good outcome for someone a long way down the track. Yeah, and not everyone's driven by that, are they? Like as you said with the control piece, like I might wear that 3.8%. It's like saying I buy a car and it's going to go down 20 grand. I'm still going to buy the car. Yeah. So it's just that control piece. And again, like if there was a $2,000 accounting fee, not 1100 that pushes you know the one hundred and fifty grand up to one point eight seven, yeah. or if we go back to fifty thousand dollars a year to five point six two percent. So there is no legal minimum amount that you should have, but wisdom states yeah. is the fee and the time spent worth the trade off. That's right. So back to your two hundred to two fifties. It's probably an accurate. Amount as an absolute minimum, isn't it? It it, it seems to be. It yeah. seems to have always been. Now, look, there, there are more, like this this propensity for control, making investment decisions, um, sometimes linked to either a social or whatever it may be. It seems to be a guiding statement which has some people coming down the rungs. But but the percentage. But what's most important is people are informed. So Absolutely. If, if they're choosing to do this, they're choosing a higher a higher cost. Um, more complex, um, more involved environment, and and as long as they're informed when they're making that decision, yeah. yeah like, do you need to then decide what you're going to do with it before you set it up, or think, after the fact? Well, I think you should because yeah. it's got to come into that cost benefit equation. Like, yes. yeah. if, if you can invest in the same investment options and save yourself cost and time, 
I think one's got to really look at that long and hard because long term all the modelling says that that ends up not being a good good outcome for you when it comes time to, for retirement. Yeah, and I, I guess as an example, I've got a, uh, a thing here like, you know, a lot of people go, what assets can you buy in the super fund? Now, if you're just like, no, I just want to invest in shares in my self-managed super fund, I want to go hard in international equities and Australian equities. So what you can do, you can set up a self-managed super fund. You can buy, uh, for example, set up a brokerage account yep. within the self-managed super fund and you could put 75 grand in the Vanguard International Index Shares Fund. You can put 75 grand in the Australian International Share Fund, which is Vanguard, or just build that on someone like Sun Super, which uses Vanguard for their index funds options anyway. And same, same. So I think there's a bit of a fallacy that I need a self-managed super fund to make uh, a better return and have more options. Now, I will add, because I want to ask you about this, Scott, technically in this you know, hypothetical world we're living in, if there was this new um, cryptocurrency and you got the inside goss that it's going to explode, uh, you might go, I'm taking the risk. I'm setting up a super fund. I got 50 grand and I'm going to pump that 50 grand into cryptocurrency. And then the next week the crypto explodes and you've now got $3 million in there. Awesome. It was probably worth it, but that's a very rare thing. Oh, that's right. And I was going to say um, all the other ways that six, seven months ago you thought I, I, I want to um, invest all in afterpay. Right mm. now, now that's not investment advice. That members should be investing all in afterpay. It would have been a good outcome. It would have been a good outcome. <laughs> you can't make that direct decision under some, some retail in and. Industry funds. So yeah. that would be an example where someone may say, no, I, I've heard of this company. It's listed. I believe in it long term. I want to put away my money and let it set and forget for the next yeah. 15 yeah. As years, lo- 20 that years, 30 comes years. back to that control thing, isn't yeah. it? That, but knowing the long-term strategies mm. required. But, but, but you're, you're right, Glenn. Like um, under an SMSF, um, you must have an investment strategy. Right? Yeah, so talk to us about, you know, and I've got, a template and all that stuff and we've all got this. But broadly speaking, it's – what is it? Well, the, the, the trustees on behalf of the members meet, need to make a decision in relation to how the, the members' monies will be invested each year, right? So you need to allocate the capital and, and it's usually within parameters. So it's no different to when you see some of these listed investment funds, right? They'll say we, we can keep cash between zero and five percent. We can have um, between ten and thirty percent in in international equities. We might have fifty percent in property, right? That same investment um, strategy needs to be agreed by the trustees each year. Yeah. Mm. And then that is how the investments are need to meant to well are to be facilitated and managed. Mm. Yeah? yeah. So there's there's flex there. So you could have 95% property, you could have 98% property, you could have 2% property, you could have any which way in between. Um, again, back to your point before about a, a cryptocurrency, that could be there. So could someone who expected the world to fall apart, they might say, I want to I put it all in gold, mm, right? Yeah. What, what needs to happen is whatever those investments are, they need to be evidenced, yeah, um, it's a document, paperwork, um, because a super, the super fund is also audited each year, which you said, yep. Glenn, and part of that would be substantiating that those investments do exist. I've created, yeah. Yeah. It's important to note you mentioned afterpay shares. Like, sure, there are retail funds, there are industry funds at the moment who are allowing these kind of sub-options where you can do individual stuff, yeah. which is cute, but... They're governed by their trustee, so it might mean that you can only buy, you know, top 200 stocks because they've got an investment strategy and have to, you know, they're governed by APRA, so there's an extra layer of protection for members. So it might be that if you do have that burning desire to buy an equity that, you know, your, I don't know, your uncle runs the business and you've just got confidence, Mm. you've got it, you might just want to invest in it you'll have to do it in a self-managed super fund because there's probably not a retail offering that will allow you to put your super money there. No. That's right. Yeah. Which And then that comes down to, well, I've only got a hundred grand. 
I know it's expensive if I was to just put cash in the normal retail fund option and cash in the self-managed super fund account. I know that's expensive for the rack value, but I'm paying a premium to have access to this investment class, which means if you don't have that meat of 200K, by gosh, you better make sure or know that you know what you're doing because it could yeah. be a big waste of your retirement savings. Well, that's correct. Yeah. So what are the common assets that you would see bought in a self-managed super fund? Yeah, look, you, you do see, um, as you said, you, you normally see a lot of um, assets that aren't probably available in other environments. So you see either unlisted investments. So this might be, um, Glenn, you mentioned a list. It could be a private company that's that's raising money that you wish to invest in based on an idea it could be um it could be property right mm. um collectibles are quite you know um artwork gold um and we'll get in later on in the episode uh we'll about the collectibles and the fancy cars like mm. when you can actually touch them and see them because it's it's quite interesting but basically anything that's got any value you can buy as long as it exists. Yeah, and, and you can argue that it's for the sole and dominant purpose of my retirement. retirement. Yeah. 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 Right? yeah, yeah. So, but you just can't test the bottle of wine throughout the year or you've withdrawn no. money from super. No. <laughs> Illegally. <laughs> and and look, this is, they, they are highly regulated. Yeah. 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 Um, they must be individually audited, right, yeah. which Glenn's alluded to. But equally, there is a lot of scrutiny over this by by. The regulators, the same reason you mentioned it before. It's just because it's really easy. Like times get tough. Um, if people have the ability to draw money out of an SMSF account that they have access to, it, 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 opportunistic behaviour can occur. Mm. Yeah. Now, again, yeah, that's completely against the law, mm. right? And and I don't want to dig too deep on it, but the, the actual harshest penalty in the whole tax system is actually in the SMSF environment right? where yeah. they hit – the asset values with a 45% tax if you're considered a non-complying fund, yeah, right. right? Which is not like that's saying that your tax isn't on the income. The tax is on your 200 that you've, you've the saved away. Yeah. yeah. And that's it. You just can't dick around with it. No. So let's now move to some practicalities about setting up a self-managed super fund yep. because we do have listeners who have significant super savings. Yep. We do have listeners that legitimately are looking for further options, but we do have listeners where this might be 10, 15 years away. We do have listeners where it's actually not going to be an option. I mean, yourself, Scott, you've just decided, nah, too much effort uh, at this time. I'm kind of in the same boat at the moment. Uh, so, it's a variety thing and I think this is just a um, an exercise in learning. So when you're at the barbecue next, you can correct you can be somebody. involved, can't you? But as, as well, I guess I would say if you are a self-managed super fund specialist listening, we're not going to get it perfect. I'm more interested in this discussion about drawing broad concepts for people to understand at a high level uh, because every industry, every niche, everything's nuanced and you know we're not getting overly technical. Yeah, correct. So... Again, SunSuper is our sponsor. SunSuper have a trustee of the superannuation. So a trustee who's managing the money on behalf of members. So with a self-managed super fund, you can move your money to a self-managed super fund, but there needs to be a trustee of that fund. Now, it can be the individual member, but what's the other option? A corporate trustee. Yeah, and... In your view, what are the benefits of having a company as the trustee uh, to the super fund? Because I've got a view and I'd just be interested in hearing your view. Look, usually it's around the uh, – if it's got to be in the name of members. So if there's two members in the super fund, then they'll both be listed as the name. And what that means is if another member joins the fund, you need to update all the records that there's another owner of those assets. Equally, then there's also can be complexity or separation from a paperwork perspective that it, it, it's in John's name, but it's actually in John's name as John Superfund's name, mm. as opposed to just John 
pigeon in your own right. Yeah, yeah. yeah? So usually you, most people would um, advocate and support a corporate trustee. It is far easier to facilitate the management of but it. Sure. Like you're an accountant and just over the years I've seen accountants because for some reason accountants just want to do things for the cheapest possible way and might lose sight of the actual complexities and the pain in the ass factor later. Like I just – it's just so messy with paperwork in your life. If you've got shares in your own name, shares in the super fund, because you might get a statement that comes in that says uh, John Pigeon and you're like, oh, hang on. Is this John Pigeon as trustee for yeah. the John Pigeon super fund or is it John Pigeon as in I own it myself? So I would always tell clients use a company because then you know it's actually separate and it's easy to, 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 to track. That's correct. And, and then if, if a member – joins or exits because um, members can exit mm. an SMSF as well. Yes. Right? Um, there's no change in, in that asset or, or you don't need to – We don't have to log in to the, the self-wealth or yeah. ComSec and say there's a name change. That's correct. Yeah. Likewise, if a member passes away, yep. uh, it's just so much more straightforward to deal with a corporate trustee. Yep. And I think the other thing, Scott, it, it's probably a, a small percentage factor but – if you're ever in breach, there's usually in terms of super funds, they'll there'll be a fine per trustee of the self-managed super fund. But if there's only there's four members and a corporate trustee, there's only one trustee, correct? Not four uh, trustees. trustees. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of just a bit of a risk management thing as well. And yeah. I think most serious estate planning lawyer would say use a corporate trustee. Mm-hmm. So it's just a shell company. There's nothing in the company. There's the directors of that company are actually the members of the fund. That's correct. What about so you set up your self-managed super fund, Scott? We've, we'll assume that we've got the corporate trustee, which is the company. We then need to get a bank account for the super fund. What's the go with that? Is it just an everyday bank account? What's the deal? Oh, look, it's just it's no different to setting up other any other bank account. So, Glenn, you, you make an application to the bank. Um, they would likely want to see the deed for the SMSF and also the certificate of incorporation for the corporate trustee and a way a, a bank account gets set up, um, then the SMSF will need to apply for an ABN or a tax file number. So then in effect that gets provided to the bank um, and then that's the ID that basically then opens up a new bank account under that. Yeah, so, so it's almost like you're starting another company or another business. Yeah, I was just going to say it's like a company – Generally, in or out, super doesn't really matter. Yep. The fact is, you need your trust deeds and uh, you need your proof of identity and your ABN, and away you go. And then, ACN, sorry. basically, what happens is you would then give your employer the bank details to the self managed super fund. So then they could put their your 9.5 contributions into the fund. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. Actually, Scott, just in terms of while I'm on it, you know, with the whole flexibility thing, there have been some instances where people have put money into retail and industry funds in the wrong BPAY code. So they've been allocated as a uh, concessional contribution when it's non-concessional. I guess if having a self-managed super fund, there is flexibility that you can just do a wash up at the end of the year. There is... um Yes, there are meant to be decisions made at certain points in time, but there is a bit more time or flexibility in relation to that. You are right. There are many instances where um, often, uh, uh, as you said, a, a BPAY code may relate to the way it, you want it, it, the way the super fund's going to treat the contribution, and and an individual could just type in the wrong number, which could have an adverse impact for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've kind of talked about the investment strategy, so we might park that aside. But there is actually a, a requirement that you are sp- supposed to review because what was happening, people were setting up self-managed super funds, rolling over their existing super, throwing in the self-managed super fund and cancelling all the life insurances, maybe not knowing it yeah. from the existing fund. So ATO basically said it's now a trustees responsibility to review the insurance cover on behalf of the members of the fund. So talk to us about your experience in with the, you know the advisors in your office about 
you know, life insurance inside the self-managed super fund. Yeah, look, and Glenn, it's an interesting point. And, and as I said, if anyone wants advice upon setting up an SMSF, there is a structured process that, that any advisor has to go through and, and ASIC facilitates that. But one of the big elements is around this, well, what are you moving away from? Mm. Right, and you just said what the individual when they're moving away from group buying power under an industry or retail fund under the insurance to their own right. There's a set of um, they have to go and um, get underwritten, have to apply for the insurance, have to potentially go through a whole health check, and potentially it could cost them more. Yeah, right. Mm. So that that's important. Feel like better quality cover. I'll just add that as well. Well, that's right. It's <laughs> so there's the pros and the cons. Yeah, yeah, right? that's right. But there, there is an absolute process that they need to go through, and members need to be aware of that. And yeah. they, but it is you said it before. It's often a blind spot. Mm. Yeah, they they cancel something, transfer, go to cash, and then um, haven't considered. Well, what else do I need to have in there um, for my for my protection? So basically, the financial advisor. If, that's, if it is a financial advisor setting it up, would be going through that with the members about to transact, right? They must. Yeah. yeah. Because I know when I set up your insurances, John, so John's and Amy's life insurances, so basically what happens is generally in the super world or in the life insurance world, whoever owns the policy, regardless of whoever pays for it, if it claims paid, will get the benefit. Yeah. So basically, John's life insurance on his life, the owner of that policy is the John and Amy Pigeon bloody self-managed super fund or whatever your fund's called. So if you checked out, John, you we would put the claim in and then that check from the insurance company would land in the bank account of the self-managed super fund for the trustees yeah. to then go, okay, well, this has to be then paid out um, as per the instructions mm. of the fund. So just on that, hypothetically yep. speaking, mm-hmm. if there was not planning on anything. John and <laughs> no, John and Amy in it, yep. And for some reason, Glenn was in it as well. Yep. All right. Uh, how does that affect in that situation where the benefits of the trustee or the beneficiaries in there yeah. is also you? Yeah. So Scott, do you want to talk? Maybe it's a good way to talk about the annual statements and member benefits yeah, section. Yeah, I was going to say. So, so each year, um, every when the financial statements are prepared and then they're dissected, there's a there's a, a, a member's balance that's recorded each and every year, and it must be reported, and the members need to be informed. So so say there's there's a million dollars worth of assets, and there's there's four members of a fund. There could be. Well, there's highly likely to be differences in balances, mm. whether that be through differences in contributions, yeah. different and and then, but every year each member needs to be told what their the summary of their balance, and then at the end of the year what that balance is. Yeah. So, in effect, in this case, um, there would just be a, di- a member would have a different balance allocated to them. Mm. But I guess what John's saying is. We'll just keep it round numbers. If there was five hundred grand in John's super fund, regardless of insurance, and John checked out, that two fifty, if it was a fifty fifty membership split, yep. would have to be paid out of the fund into the beneficiary's bank account, which would be Amy in this instance. Mm. Now, at that point, Amy can go, Well, what do I want to do with my two fifty? She might want to contribute that back to super. Correct. But she might not. So it has to be paid out. Your member account when you die, it, it can't stay around forever. No. It has to no, be No, that's closed. correct. It needs to be dealt with. Yeah. yeah. And and look, that's an important point. And there's because yeah. the, there's different things that often um, a level of cash should be maintained to make sure there's there's liquidity. Well, liquidity. Well, right? actually, let's um hypothesize if you guys owned a property in the self-managed super fund that was worth 500 grand mm. and you died, what's going to happen? The property has to be sold or liquidated mm. to pay out your member benefit. If that's, if that's the way it's to be dealt with. But yeah. That, Is that there is a way around that though? Uh, oh, there's life insurance. Out of the yeah. <laughs> yeah. There would be, yeah, it probably goes beyond the scope of right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's an interesting one, but an important one also. Totally. But, like, but it is, yeah. but, but Glenn's point, right, usually you go, well, um, insurance 
should underwrite that risk because mm. uh, it's no different to a family home, yeah. right, isn't it? Here's an asset. It's illiquid. Um, in the event of X, how do we protect against it? Yeah, because you don't necessarily want to sell your assets when one member dies because it's travelling along okay and it's liquid and it's the yields are high. And then like, once someone dies within the super fund, the estate can't be managing a freaking super fund for eternity. Like it needs to be wound up and yeah. paid out. Mm. So, and that's why when you're in this self-managed super fund world, there are complexities mm. and, you know, there is estate equalization insurance and all that stuff, but it's, it's a wild ride. Yeah. And look, just, just again, we can talk different scenarios, but you could have two business partners decide to do it, to go in a property venture. Things are going well. Um, they have a falling out. Um, one member says, well, I want to draw my money out of the fund right, because we're no longer in business together. Well, the fund hasn't got the cash. It's already invested, yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, 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 it's a joint um, venture essentially, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a whole thing. It's like when you do have a self-managed super fund, if you did do it to buy a property, you want to make sure there's cash in the bank account because mm. what if there's no tenant? Yeah. What if there's a period of time that you're out of work and your 9.5 isn't going into the fund? Mm. Yeah, so what just if the, like you've got your buffers in your yeah, personal life. What if at that same time your annual insurance bill comes in at three grand? I mean, there are advantages in terms of uh, throughout the year, like you'll pay tax once a year. So when money goes into super, there's a contributions tax of 15%. You you might put 10 grand into super for the year, for example. That money might just sit in the savings account in the super fund earning interest at the end of the year then you will pay that tax when the super fund does its tax return. Yeah. So Correct. it's um it's it's a wild ride and it's not to be dicked around with, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah but going back to that point at the start, well if you've seen a marketing brochure and it's like, oh that this sounds cool setting up a self managed super fund, I can do this, this and this and I've got all this control the financial advisor needs to be sitting down in in um, complete detail and outlining all these things if you haven't listened to this podcast already. That's correct. Mm. Yeah, got that. Yeah, so and I, I think I just want to drive home that a common misconception is, um, you know, if there was a couple, you know, de facto living together, spouse, married or whatever, both put their money into a self-managed super fund, the fact that one person put in 100 and the other one put in $50,000 that percentage of the super balances would, if they never put any more, it would just increase and decrease with the cost of the investment. So yeah. it would always be reflected yes. each year. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of a big thing. Um, it's it is a, a pooled fund, but there's kind of there's minutes in the pool of what members own what. So we might have a quick break. We'll come back with Community Member of the Week and then we'll, uh, we'll go through some of these questions in the Facebook group. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click Get Help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click Get Help. And now, for the most highly regarded, auspicious moment in podcast history in Australia, which maybe isn't as big as it should be, it is the My Millennial Money Community Member of the Week. All right, Community Member of the Week, Sarah. Hello, thanks for listening to My Millennial Money. Sarah's 23-year-old project manager from Briz Vegas. Her money goal is to buy her first home, which is cool. She can't buy it with a self-managed super fund and live in it. And we'll get to a bit more around that uh, soon. Uh, And we asked how are you achieving this goal? She said uh, she organized a mortgage broker through your website, then went to check out some display homes on the weekend. So she's kind of new. Sorry. She's going new. She's going new maybe. Or she might just be um, getting some inspo for Renault. Could be. But I think it's important, like when you are after your first home, get intentional 
you know, clean up your consumer debt, speak to a broker and get a running track because I think most people will find that it might be able to happen sooner than, um, totally. than later. Yep. And, and this is the, the silliest money mistake she's made, buying Webjet stocks. Ooh. So they probably she would have know, she? had a bit of a plummet with this COVID thing, I would imagine. So there you go. Well, Flight Center have held their own, haven't they? I haven't actually limited looked. look at it. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I haven't looked. But um, well done, Sarah. Sarah, thank you so much for being part of the M3 community and thank you for listening. And if you want to uh, send us a message on LinkedIn, why do I say LinkedIn? Send us a message on, uh, on Instagram and I'll send you a copy of Paul Benson's new book, Financial Autonomy, who we had on the show Recently, he sent some copies here to give away. So good on him. There you go. Now, let's uh, let's go to some questions from the group about this self-managed super fund business. And actually, we might just start. Can we just maybe swing back around and talk about tax? So, a common strategy people might do is buy a property in their super. And again, on Thursday, we'll go deep in this. Hold the property. And then when they retire, they might move into it because you can't live in the property while it's in your super accumulation phase. Correct. Because it's very naughty. Correct. So basically, when you get to age 60 and cease work, you would ordinarily move your super monies to pension phase. When money's in pension phase you're over 60 and have retired as it stands at the moment, you could take all your money out tomorrow tax-free and blow it. Correct. Or you could leave it in there and the earnings are tax-free. Yes. So you've got options. So generally speaking, the superannuation tax rate is lower at 15%. That's right. And and that's deliberate because the government wants to incentivize um, Australians to save for their retirement. Yep. Yeah. So we started off by talking a lot about um, SMS may not be right right now, but without doubt, people saving for their retirement, and as they get later on with further complexity and desire and wishes, an SMSF can be truly powerful for them in managing their wealth in retirement or towards retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So. CGT outside of super for property, you've got a 12-month – after that, you've got a 50% exemption. That's correct. Right. Any any changes inside super on that? Well, to Glenn's point, if, if it's in pension, it can be zero. Yep. Okay, so I'm, huh? I'm 52, not in phase. Let's – yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to sell it within 12 months. Uh, within 12 months? Yeah. Well, then the, the rate of tax would be the 15%. Yeah. Yep. So that's a, a big positive, isn't it? It is because respect. if we said if it's if someone's paying tax at say 30, average tax of 30 to 40% outside yep. super, yep. then within super, we've just said that the gain could be at um, 30 to 40% tax as opposed to within 15% inside yeah. the super fund. Not that I'll probably want to sell it within 12 months of um, purchasing it, but yeah. So yeah, big so, so we know it is a more tax... Effective environment. Yeah, and that's whether you've got money in Sun Super or a self-managed super fund, the tax law is the same. Mm. Correct, yeah. or any other super fund. Or any other super fund. Now, let's talk about um, some sexy things you can have in your super. So, I've got a self-managed super fund. I want to invest in some art. So I might want to buy a piece of art. I might want to uh, buy some vintage Grange wine and store that as an investment. I might want to buy an old school Aston Martin DB5 as an investment. You can basically buy anything you want. Now, what's the deal with, you know, the, all these sexy things? Are there any kind of parameters yeah. around, like, can I keep one in my garage at home? Well, no. So, okay. that, 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 that's one of the points. It's back to this use, you know, because it's meant to be sole and dominant purpose for your retirement. So, there can't be any um, personal benefit or use from it. So, so, you can't hang the photo of the Van Gogh in your house. Correct. And enjoy it. 
because that would mean you're taking money out of super early. <laughs> Correct. So it needs to be stored or displayed elsewhere. So, yeah, it could be in, 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 mm. in an, an art center or a museum. It's a bit boring, it could, isn't it? could be in a safe, yeah. right? And then also there's got to be a physical existence piece, which is back to it's got to be insured, yeah, yeah. which helps support the fact that, that – Within seven days of yeah. purchase. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And you have to document where it's stored. Correct. Yeah. So it can be physically located and then more importantly back to the starting point is it should be listed in the fund's investment strategy that the intention is to go and spend or allocate X percentage to artwork, fine wine or whatever it may be. Yeah. So that boat you're about to buy, you can't drive it, right? No, <laughs> won't be my... Boats aren't a good, in, good, good <laughs> no, long-term investment. At the best of times, super or non-super, anyway. don't have a bloody boat. Actually, I used to have a boat, it was called an AU Falcon. Um <laughs> So let's go through um, Jared Adam in the Facebook group said just general pros and cons, benefits and disadvantages. I mean, I think we've made it pretty clear. Ella Hannan said, Hanan, that's French. Uh, Ella said basic, super basic, but what are the, what are they and how do they work? So I think we've kind of answered that. Uh, Daniel Walker, thanks for listening, Dan. What would you consider a good starting balance be? Uh, is there a threshold to make it worthwhile? Again, I think we've covered that. Fran said, I, I looked into it and I was told 100K. It'd be interested to hear others' thoughts. And it, it can be whatever you want. Yeah. But, you know, you're saying 250. I used to say, clients, let's not even have the freaking discussion unless there's 150. Yeah. Then we can at least pull some numbers up. But it's going to be pushing that 200, particularly because of the um, – the drama of audits and accounting fees are going up and you've got to get advice and oh, complexity. set up yeah. costs. So, Yeah, and, and generally, more often than not, it's property that people are going to buy in your self-managed super fund. So it just purely comes down to deposit amounts. Like you, to buy something for 300000 as an absolute minimum, you're going to need the best part of a 100 anyway, aren't you? Which would leave you yeah. dry of anything. Yeah, and front. that's it. Like if you're going to buy... $500,000 investment property and borrow money for it, you're going to need a $150,000 deposit or Correct. a 70% LVR. So you really need 200 grand before you pick up the phone and talk to someone. Yeah, to make it work. That's yep. right. Yeah. Fran says, how much cost is involved in running one and what are the requirements to hold a property? Well, Thursday's episode, Fran, of the property thing costs, it could be two to three grand a year, depending yeah. on who you go to. There's another one here. Jack O'Brien said, why bother when retail funds offer so much flexibility these days? Good one, Jack. Yeah, it's, it's a comment and it's, it's a true comment. I mean, what else have we got here? Belinda says, pros and cons of having property in self-managed super fund. So just on that, John, a big con of having property in self-managed super fund, if you go to one of those seminars, that's a con. Um, just joking. <laughs> Back off, everyone. A big con would be if you did buy a property within the self-managed super fund and it grew in value 300 grand, what are you doing with the equity? Nothing. Yeah, nothing. Unless you on, on sell the, it in the super fund and then buy two more properties in the fund. Yeah, that's your only option really. But yeah. I suppose on the flip side, you enjoy the, the lower capital gains tax when you do sell it. Yeah. Um, I got an email from Gary Palmer. Uh, Morning, Glenn. Reese, self-managed super fund you're recording. It would be great to cover. Cost first time. Traditionally, it's been an issue, but tech is helping change uh, this. However, most services and tech platforms still charge, you know, one and a half grand for admin fees and 400 for an audit. So if you have 100 in super, it's still 1.5 in fees. If you have 50K, it's horrible. And I use that exact kind of example. Gary said, self-managed super fund is just so the rich can get richer due to fees. Looking forward to you to, to bunk this, debunk this. I don't know if it's the rich get richer. I just think it's an option in our society that you're welcome to use. I think that's the, I think that's a good lens. No, no one because the rich can get richer with a traditional super fund. That's it. Yeah, I think what he's referring to is uh, is he, is he not referring to the financial advisors charging a large fee to set it up? I I just think the f fact that he's talking about uh, you really get that fee scale with bigger account balances yeah. like I indicated. But, mm. I mean, Sun Super's platform, up to 800K, it's 0.1% admin fee. 
Like mm. there's so many cheap super funds anyway. Yeah. Look, it, it, it could be um, – and look, we don't quite know, but it could be around that there was a lot of stigma attached because mm. there was – and remember now they've limited it to in pension uh, maximum balances of 1.6. Yes. Right? Yeah. Which, you know um, – it used to be unlimited. Do you remember when they first introduced the super changes? You could put a million dollars. That's what I was about to off. say. We had people borrowing against their homes to put money into super. In. Uh, <laughs> so, so I think if you look back, there was that propensity to feel that there was there was opportunities available to probably many older Australians mm. that are now probably not available to many younger ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the circumstance at that time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions here in the Facebook group. How much uh, – Vic Fell says – she said, how much time does it take to managing a self-managed super fund? And th- these are the soft costs that we talk yeah, about. Yeah. I mean – Bugger all if you're not um, a day trader. Well, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> and look, that's that's probably a good segue into it. That One of the rules also says that the super fund cannot carry on a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that 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 that's a good yeah. point, John, that um, – and, and nor should it, right? But I can um, buy shares in a business that I don't otherwise work in. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's right. But um, look, it, John's right. It all depends. Like if you if you put it in a, a passive investment portfolio beside uh, that you put on a platform that you can manage all the reporting on, the time really isn't that that high. But then it goes back to: Do I need the self managed super fund anyway? That's exactly right. And then for me, it goes back to: Do you have significant wealth? Yeah. That might be a bit complex that you have some other complex estate planning considerations. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's probably a, a a bit of a tax haven for some people, isn't it? If you go and buy a million dollar asset in self managed super, and and in ten years time, you you go into retirement phase, right? And it might be worth two million, for example, like best case scenario. All of a sudden, you're walking away tax-free. Yeah, but you've now got the uh, 1.6 mil caps, so it's not as good as it used to be. But no, but, but it's still in there. It's still it's still better than outside. Oh, environment. all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, 15 percent tax above the 1.6 is better than zero. Yeah. yeah. So, so where 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 yeah. you see? Oh, it's better than 30 outside. Sorry, or whatever well, it, it is. could be higher than 30 outside, yeah. couldn't it? Yeah. yeah. Where you see this? It often worked quite well is where um, people have a job or they leave a job, they start a business, they want to buy a business real property, you know, the, the building that they're operating in, they're committed to the site, they run a business for 20 years from the site, property yes. goes up in value over the 20, 30 yeah. years, they sell the business or close the business, they still own the property. Mm. Before you know it, they have a reasonable size asset. That, that's but that's a really well. long-term lens. Yeah, on mm. it. and we'll probably – use an example like that in in that bonus episode yeah Yeah. and i mean we haven't really gone into the trenches with you know so once you get a member who's got a pension phase and accumulation you've got to get an actuarial certificate each year i mean and this is where you need advice basically (laughs) it all goes back to you need advice like anything like anything scott thanks so much for popping in today pleasure gentlemen that we'll put a link in the show notes. So if you do want to chat to Scott's team about anything to do with tax or getting your um, tax return done, I know his team's about to tap on my shoulder. I've already tapped on the bookkeeper's shoulder to get my 2020s happening. <laughs> Can't wait for that. Um, <laughs> you have to follow this bloke up constantly to oh, get things. Three times, yeah. four times. Oh. He's off. I'm an ideal client. <laughs> Just when you when I do stuff for you that you don't pay me for, that's when oh, it's... Is a, that what happens? Yeah, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was editing a video for John. He's like, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, nah, nah. I'll, I don't want your money. I'll just Sometimes do it. Sometimes worse when you're getting those know, freebies done. It's like you don't want to push the issue because like, oh, well, I'm not fun. Now I feel bad. I'll, I'll do it yeah. free. It took two months to do for him. <laughs> I'll get him a gift certificate or something. <laughs> $50 credit at Flower. Yeah, love it. Well, guys, thanks so much. Thank you. We'll see you guys soon. Pleasure, guys. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. 
If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.